He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. Before a bridge keeper now, about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 85 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson and I'm joined this week by Barry O'Hanrahan. Hey Barry. Hey James, how's it going? And uh, back from another illness, uh, Will Griffith. How are you? Another illness. Well, you seem to have a few, so... You're like sick boy in um, Van Wilder, like he was those isolation tents. We <laughs> <laughs> to bring you along your golf magazines and slide through a special portal. Like I'm in my own little bubble here. Yeah, yeah. What most people don't realise is we're actually doing this with you know those face masks. Picture those like hazmat suits. Like. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, because this is I think the first one. But you know, because Barry is obviously the constant uh, in the in the podcast, and myself and yourself haven't actually been in the same room to do the podcast for I'd say about three months well that's probably well mainly that's because you you're, you you have so many illnesses I don't want to be in the same oh room. hang on a second mister oh I went and got married and I know what is spent a month on my honeymoon on the plus side she's just listening to this podcast so I can just say what a bitch <laughs> <laughs> Ruined my golf game. Yeah. Uh, uh, if anybody uh, other than my wife hears this and wants to uh, tweet into us at <laughs> podcast GTS or email us at a good talk spoiled at gmail.com, um, our own games this week, um, Barry, you and I played on Saturday. It was the last strokes play uh, of the of the year, mm-hmm. uh, the October medal. A um, couple of holes for me just completely took the, the wind out of my sails, but. Um, some really really nice things in my game. Some really horrendous things for a few holes. So, who was the winner between the three of us? Just a matter of interest. Uh, I'd seventy five net. Ooh. Yeah. I'm, so, oh no, I meant who was quite, it? Quite. That's bad for me to because I can't beat that. Oh right, I, I, I thought the only reason you asked that question was you had looked up the results. And you, oh you no, I had, I had net eighty. Net, oh, okay, so I even beat you then. Yeah, I had um, eighty seven gross. Okay. Do yeah, there you are, down the list. I've got the results open. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I had a yeah, I had two or three holes that just absolutely killed me with I think a quad, a double, and a triple. Yeah. Um, and I uh, took, I took a bit out of me, but I uh, had an eight on the tenth, which is the part which is four quadruple bogey, and then I had an eight on the seventeenth. But I was also telling you that as I was only recovering from my sick boy, uh, yeah. You know, I actually nearly collapsed on the eleventh hole from lack. You of did energy. a Jason Day on it. Yeah, yeah. Like, actually, I was down on my hands and my knees, and like the funny thing praying was, that it didn't actually appear on your card. Like, you know, the thing, yeah, but that was pretty much it. I was like, but there was so many moments during the round that I actually was about to leave the course. Mm. But then I was like, just play it out, just play. You know, yeah, yeah. I needed to get out and get fresh air. It was the first time I left the house in Port. I've hours. only ever walked off the course once. Oh, I've walked uh, off the course. I, I, and that, in fairness, that was because my sister. Was about to have triplets and had been rushed to hospital, and I felt a bit guilty playing golf while my sister was in hospital. Um, and I got the message to say she had gone to hospital while playing golf, so I felt slightly guilty um, that I was kind of still playing golf. But uh, have you ever walked off the course in mid round? Uh, not in recent memory, maybe due to atrocious rain conditions, like. But I don't. Yeah, but not in a couple. Have you ever been told to leave the course? <laughs> yeah, more than likely due to poor golf uh, than anything else. No, um, I. Right. This weekend was it was weird because we both had a lot of good shots. I, I two, I three doubles and a triple, so you can't have a good score with that. Um, it was a bit sloppy, but there was some good stuff in there. So you had a bit of luck as well. Fifteen looked like it was out of bounds, and it, it I was, was in yeah. yeah, You know, there was things like that, but. Ah, look, you, you take the breaks and you get them in this game because they go against you often enough. Yeah. So, um, just back to a bit of Twitter feedback. Garrett Smith was on to us, uh, listening through old episodes. He's asking, were there any that provide a history as in where Bob's gone? I can't remember specifically, but it, basically Bob has moved over to California up near San Francisco in an hour outside. So he's continuing his golfing odyssey out there. And what I'll do is I'll tweet a link. He's got a golf blog going on, just kind of keeping people yeah. saying how he's getting on. So um, he's had some big successes recently. He won a uh, multi-round scratch cup event or oh, yeah. a multi-round of course, he, uh, event. So he's, he's playing really well over he, there. He claims that he went because his wife 
job was moving, but really he just wanted to get the benefit of a much easier handicap uh, over in the US to, to say <laughs> that he was much like lower than he actually He's is. He's actually talking about the handicap systems as well in the blog, so what it's, it's a good read. Like? Two, uh, three or four, I think. I he's actually at five. Yeah, yeah. So he's uh, he's playing very well as well, and uh, you know, hardly any wind, warm conditions. I mean, any of us would be off that handicap. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so no, he's he's doing well. I'll tweet up a link to his uh, blog. That's where he is. And Alan, Alan is uh, his job was kind of taking him outside of Ireland an awful lot as well. So it's just very difficult to get him. And that's where was that why was was this guy asking the question? Who was it, Garrett? Did you say no? This was yeah, Garrett Smith. Garrett Smith was he asking the question because he wasn't happy with the replacements? Or well, actually, you are the replacement. This is a tweet, not an email. So <laughs> we had 150 characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, to, to, so, to give reasons. Uh, yeah, a couple of others, but one we'll get to later on. Robert Rob Jones was asking us what are Fitzpatrick's Ryder Cup chances, and I think they're pretty oh, good now after last week. So we'll get to that. Come on to that. Um, I was up on Friday, uh, Monday uh, with Mark O'Mahony in, in Carton House um, in the Titleist Fitting Centre. Uh, so I had the opportunity to get fitted for the new 716 uh, AP2s. Um, and if people really want to be that interested in it, it's uh, going to have the KBS Tour shaft, which is the same one I have in my own clubs at the moment. Um, so we're really only changing the heads. But... Uh, they are just a super, super lineup of golf clubs that uh, Titleist have brought out. I, I pretty much hit everything from the AP1s right through to the MBs. And uh, I've been saying to the lads here about the MBs are just, you know, when you hit them well, they are just the most beautiful club. But when you hit them badly, they are a cruel mistress. Yeah. But like, um, the badly is literally, it's the, the margin of error. It's tiny. On a blade. On a blade, yeah. And, and it, it, to be fair, like Mark, who's, who's one of the head Titleist fitting guys, was telling me all about the, you know, the increase of the muscle back gives more forgiveness, and they are probably the most forgiving 716 MBs or blades the Titleist have ever brought out. But even still, and, and the, I was hitting six, I hit the six irons with them, and uh, like you look like you're hitting a postage stamp, like it's the head is that small. Mm. Now they're beautiful and they look amazing, but I think you need to be Adam Scott nearly to, to actually be able to do it. One of those awesome ball strikers. Yeah. yeah but uh, somebody who's being able to play an awful lot and has great technique. I mean, they're just, they're hard, hard clubs to hit blades are. You're, you're pretty much talking about me. <laughs> yeah. So the exactly. other, the other Mr. point, Mr. Playing off seven, yeah, six point nine actually. But the point that Mark was uh, saying to me was that look, you know, the playability that you can get in the AP twos and the CBs now with so much more forgiveness, mm. really, other than a very, very, very small percentage of players that absolutely will only play with blades because of whatever tradition or that's just the way they are. There is no benefit. You know, you might as well take the extra forgiveness. You're not losing any playability. Mm -hmm. And the new top line and everything does look like a, uh, you know, that the, they look like a, an MB, but... Um, or a CB, yeah. I mean, or a CB, like this, yeah. I, mean, I suppose this, this can equally apply across all manufacturers of golf clubs. They all have their ranges of, like, you know, the, the, the beginner slash game improver iron, and then there's slightly more focused players iron, which become, like, the AP2s. Uh, right, well, Jordan Spieth uses them. So. Well, there, <laughs> yes, there we go. Like, there, yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's there's all the evidence you need about you know what these clubs can do. Like Jordan Spieth is using, let's say, in a degree of difficulty, hit the tightest irons are uh, one for the AP ones, two for the AP twos, three for the CBs, and four for the MBs. Jordan Spieth's using the two. So there you go, number one player in the world, like and double major champion this and, year. And he's not he's not looking to get into CBs or no. MBs. He he wants the AP twos, and I know he's I read that he's he's switching on to the seven sixteens as of this week. Um, I also got fitted for the TMB um, four iron, which um, is just a beautiful club. It it looks like the muscle back uh, club, but it's much more forgiving. A lot of tunskin in it, and uh, it just has an absolutely beautiful ball flight, and it just. I don't think you can hit it badly, you know, well, actually, I hope. I I, I didn't hit it badly at out. the time on the range, but uh, I hit quite a few. And uh, I also have put, gone with the 816H1, which is the new rescue, um, to kind of fill the gapping yeah. um, between the three wood and, and uh, the, the the four iron. So I'm, I'm excited in getting a hold of them, but um, 
the, in terms of the fitting, the fitting was part of the price. I know clubs are expensive and new clubs are expensive. It was, yeah. was more interested to hear about the, you know, because I've never got a custom club. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, whatever mm-hmm. I've played with have been off the rack. Or, for example, the blades that I'm playing with now are, are my dad's old ones from 1980. You know, they're okay. Great, so they're 30 years old. Yeah. So I've, I've never done the whole custom fitting and all that. Well, there's definitely, there's, I, I would fully encourage, particularly because, and for me, the reason, you know, and some people say, oh, but you're wedded to a Titleist. I'm not wedded to Titleist. I'm wedded to the guy who is coaching me, who knows my game, knows my ball flight, knows where he wants to take my game for the next 12 months, two years. And he happens to be that, you know, Titleist fitter. So I go to him and with the clubs out there, there, with all the stock options, all the heads, there is definitely going to be an option for my game in the Titleist range. The way that Titleist do it in Ireland is you can organize a fitting through Halpenies or McGurk's or any American golf or any of the golf clubs or any of your own golf clubs. If you're yeah. in a golf club, they will set up a, a, a consultation with Titleist for you. It takes an hour. You go 15 minutes beforehand. You warm up. You get brought in. Track man. They have all the gear set out. And throughout the hour, you'll hit every different type of shot. He'll tell you how he wants you to hit it, where he wants you to hit it. He'll do the strike tape, everything. And I think I went through about four, four, four or five different shafts. And we tweaked with bits and pieces. And then we came down to what, what you know, was the Which ideal is, number yeah, for me. For you, yeah. Um, and that, that was the thing. So, like, I would encourage anybody who is thinking, because it is a huge investment, you know, it's a lot of money, and, and if it's best, if you're going to pay €1,100, Euros, which is what you would if you went into McGurk's and bought them off the shelf, you might as well go and get the fitting to make sure what you're getting is 100% what is required for you, for rather you. than taking a, yeah. a punt at Absolutely. Something. I mean, it's that extra <clears throat> tiny little bit, I mean, because you're not paying much... As, as happened with you and happened with me, I'm not paying more above the retail price. You get them off the shelf, but you're getting exactly what's about you know, what's right for you. I think the cost for mine with four golf was uh, it was a hundred euro for the, the the fitting session, and I think with Titleist it's somewhere between fifty and hundred as well. I mean, it's, when when it comes to that, if you're like, I was liking it to the cost for these sessions. You go, oh my god, a hundred's really expensive for an hour, and I was like, no, hang on, it actually isn't. Like you're going to see a professional. Um, about something. If you go to a doctor, you can pay 50, 60, 70 euro for a quick visit and that could be five minutes, it could be 20, but you know, you're seeing a professional in their field and you're getting an hour of their time and their expertise for a hundred euro. I think it's phenomenal value. I think especially that, with the output you get in the end. I think anybody who's ever looked online either at Foregolf or Titleist fitting or Callaway fitting or any of the fitting, uh, bays that they have and you can go onto YouTube and you can see the videos. There are hundreds of different options mm-hmm. in you know in every type of stock shaft and other shaft you know just look at the pros that's what why they they signed the big multi-million pound contracts is to get all of those stock options and all of the very unique shafts that are there the club head does x amount of the work the real engine of the whole thing shaft. is in that shaft and to go into any shop and say that's the one i want without being fitted, you're taking the shaft that's in it. But there might be a better shaft that's better for your game. And if you're going to invest, and, and you could be investing in clubs for two years, five years, ten years, mm-hmm. to have an enjoyment of the game, to try and benefit your own game, it's worth, I think. Yeah. But, but I'm excited. I, I've been led to believe I may have them by the 23rd of October when they officially go on sale mm-hmm. uh, in, on the shop floor. Um, I was so early into McGurk's that they didn't even have them on their system so uh, uh-huh. so that that's probably uh, a little ahead of the curve but uh, I really can't wait I was saying to somebody the other day um, that it kind of feels like pre-season where you just kind of go oh with all the anticipation of like what your season's going to be I just feel that with these clubs what what can I achieve with mm-hmm. this new set so but look let's let's move on and um, once I get them and I hit them I'll give them you know, another review. An even longer time. review of yeah, experience, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's great fair play to you. You know, it's a good investment to do and like with the amount of effort you've been putting into your game, like I can no doubt see the results like in the beginning of next year if you put in the effort over the, the winter. Well that's it, yeah. Like I've, I've spoken to Mark, we're gonna set up three or four kind of lessons over the course of the winter and kind of really work on certain aspects that's gonna change me from eleven handicap down hopefully to six point nine or lower. And that's that's the aim, you know, where where can I 
you know, I actually I hit hit one shot. I was saying to Barry during the week, I hit one one or two shots on the on the track man, which ordinarily I was quite happy with. And I said to Mark, I said, I, he goes, which ones are you happy with? I said, well, obviously the three that were right beside the flag, uh, you know, on the green. I'm really happy with them. Don't mind the other ones. He goes, no, no, wrong attitude now. You know, we want to get rid of that attitude that you're accepting, you know, 20 yards short of the green as a, as a good shot. You, you're not going to berate yourself, but you're not going to walk around going, that was, you know, that's fine. That's not adequate anymore. So it's, it's going to change a mindset as well. I think that, you know, and they're going to be a little less forgiving and I'm going to have to get a little bit more used to a top or thin line because I'm going from the AP one. So we'll see. We'll see. A lot of work to get done. And the LPGA, were over in Kuala Lumpur, and uh, I have actually no idea who won this. I wrote it there in the agenda. Uh, got Jessica Corda uh, won by four shots from Lydia Ko, um, Stacey Lewis, and uh, Feng. So uh, I'm going to skip the first name because I'm not 100 percent sure how to say it. Welcome back, James, to the podcast. I know and people are going to tweet in now and start giving out. It's okay. Myself and Will butchered a few names, more than a few names over the last few weeks. <laughs> so look, congratulations <laughs> to Jessica. I'm sure it was a wonderful. Uh, uh, four rounds for you in Malaysia and a, a nice check going your direction but let's move on to the European tour and the British Masters su- supported by Sky Sports and presented to you by uh, uh, Ian Poulter was held at uh, Woburn in uh, the UK um, and I have to say just before we get into the bigger discussion of this the course looked amazing Unbelievable. I just, I, I'm putting it on a bucket list of courses I want to play and um, I just thought it was stunning and again it it's probably half of how Sky presented and and the way it was. And even though and it was very, looked, very soft, it still just looked massive. massive. credit to the greenkeepers and the staff there in Woburn to get the course in that condition at this time of year when you're not getting as much sunlight, you're getting you know, rain, some cold nights as well. It was fabulous. It really was. Now, look, Matthew Fitzpatrick um, won... <laughs> what can I say about this guy? 21 years old. I have a sneaking suspicion, Barry, you had him in your top 200. Am I right in that? Did you have him in your top 200? No, I had ago? I had, I had two donkeys that landed me right near the bottom I, of the leaderboard. I thought you had Matt, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Doesn't matter, but in any event, super, super uh, played by the young 21-year-old. Uh, he's a huge future, and the uh, tweet that came in about whether or not we think he's got uh, Ryder Cup potential, certainly after the win, it's, it's, it's right up there. But can I just put this out? I'm going to put this out to both of you. To me, watching it over the course of the week, and particularly on Sunday, was this was won and lost with the putter. You know, there was a huge amount of putts missed and clutch putts held at very crucial times. Am I right in saying that that's where Matthew Fitzpatrick won it? And where maybe... Clemson lost it because it certainly looked like it was for him to lose it but Matthew Fitzpatrick got it by the scruff of the neck and ended up yeah no like, well I think what the big thing for Matthew Fitzpatrick was the back nine because he had gone out of contention um, after the after, around the turn mm. he had dropped a couple of shots uh, but no sorry he had level par for the front nine it, well, he, he dropped shots in so far as there was the par five yeah. which he, he was dropping shots of, to the you field. know and that was yeah yeah so but then he turned came around the turn and like what they were talking about was the maturity, you know, the kind of, for a 21 year old that, you know, he stood up like he had just birdied, you know, like he, anyway, he was four under coming up the 18th for the back nine, which was the most ridiculous back nine for a 21 year old, you know, who's going on to win his first competition. Mm. Um, but like it was the maturity on the 17th hole, he had just seen, um, your man Zanotti, uh, putting in a ball to about six foot on the 17th, which is the part three. He's only a shot ahead at that stage. And next thing he puts it to about four foot. Mm. He walks up onto the green, he sees the knot, he put it in for birdie. And next thing he needs to follow it in for birdie. You know, like you're talking about a different, you know, these guys, there's no fear anymore. But oh, to answer your question about the pudding, uh, like the one thing I noticed was uh, with your man Soren um, Kjelsen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also Shane Lowry. Yeah. I You you turned around to me and said that you thought that Kjelsen should have ran away with it. Mm. And I actually turned around and said that Lowry Personally, I thought yeah. should have ran away with it because the puts that, like you know, Larry was playing really well. Like he, he was. It was like he was in. Have you ever heard the saying where they talk about sports people and they say they're in second gear or third gear? It was like Larry was in fourth gear and he, he had an extra gear to go, but he could never get it there. Mm. Well, can can I? And I'm going to ask this 
because we'll talk about Shane Larry for briefly, I, I don't want to leave Matthew Fitzpatrick too far behind because I think we deserve a bit more talking to him. But talking about Shane Larry, his short game is just, it's it's renowned. Like, it was just stunning on the last day. But, you know, he did blow hot and cold. And I think the point I suppose I'd make about Larry in the pudding was even the 18th. You know, he knew he had to birdie to even have a chance. He lost by two shots in the end. Minus 15 to Fitzpatrick, minus 13 was Shane Larry. But Larry knew he had to birdie the 18th, did the first two bits right, was in on the green, didn't even get it past the hole. You know, like Didn't even get it to the it, hole. Well, sorry, didn't get it to the hole. And certainly, if you're looking to birdie it, as they say, never up, never in, and you, you know, 100. Mm. But, like, that was what disappointed me a bit with Larry. But he, he just lumps around because of the size of him. Do you ever look at him kind of like that? He's in fourth gear, but i actually not sure... He is. I just think that's the way he looks. It's kind, like he kind of, of, it's kind of like the Dustin, you know, the Dustin Johnson effect. You know, where he just kind of cruises around the golf course and he never looks kind of too ruffled or you know when he's in and, and he could be he could be like I've birdied the last six holes in a row and he just looks like he's ambling. But I think I think it was just a case that like you know, and this is where we're coming back to the putting, right? Mm-hmm. Is the fact that he was missing putts and he was leaving putts short. Mm-hmm. So when someone's doing that, you think to yourself they're not in the you know they're not in top shape, they're not in fifth gear. And that's why I meant that, like, and the same with <coughs> Sarin Kielsen, although he, he was getting some putts, I didn't actually, I, uh, when I was watching it, I didn't see him as missing a lot of putts. He, he, missed, some, he missed some really, really gettable putts early on in the round. But he's been doing that for the last few weeks. Yeah. Like, well, he's been there or thereabouts, and he's been missing little putts from, you know, well, and he my hands, by the way, for the people listening, are, you know, a foot. Yeah, the heart, you know? well, he horseshoed one, he left a couple in the jaws, mm. and... You know, to me, it was hot and cold. And then the next time you see him, he's holding a forty footer, yeah. and you're not going, "What the hell? Where yeah, is this yeah, guy yeah. coming from?" You know, you know, you got the, the, the big difference between the, like, the winning and losing of that competition was on the back nine. Matthew Fitzpatrick was getting the putts that both Kelson, Zanotti, and Lowry were, were missing. We're not, yeah. I'm, and I'm particularly on one of the 16th hole, I think it was, which was playing quite tough. That Matthew Fitzpatrick got an unbelievable 12 footer for uh, par. Well, to me, the crux of the case uh, for Matthew Fitzpatrick and where I thought, this is a young lad and I'm going to answer the question now that was put forward on the Twitter um, about how far he might go or would he be in the Ryder Cup. The 17th hole, you know, uh, I think he was playing with Sonati, if my memory serves me right. Sonati has just hit it pin high and spun back. He nearly held it. Spins back slightly. And Fitzpatrick goes beyond the pin, spins back, and leaves six foot and holds it for the birdie, which puts him at fifteen under. And and like to me, that show no, was incredible. 16, 16, 16, yeah. sixteen under, yeah, sorry, they both but, the, but that was an incredible, um, you know, brave shot. And for a guy who is right there about to win his first tournament, like that was to me a real class. You're not remembering it. No, I, I just felt like I, I actually think I just spoke about this. I thought you said the 16th, though. No, is it the 17th? 17th yeah. Oh, sorry, I thought you said the 16th. Yeah, no, I actually sorry, was told, Yeah, because I was saying Zanotti hit a shot to about six foot. Yeah. And then Fitzpatrick had to do the exact same thing to four foot. And then he had to watch Zanotti put the ball in for birdie. Yeah. And then he had to do the exact same thing. Are we going to do it for the fourth time? Like, no, I said it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go back to what you were saying about Larry and trying to, and making sure he got the putt to the hole. Sometimes, you know, when you, you know you have to get a pass to the hole or get it to it, you're conscious of not overhitting it and then losing your stroke or, or, or pulling it or pushing it because you're trying to hit it too hard you're conscious of just putting a good stroke in it and sometimes you do you do just leave it short for fear of, you're not that you're afraid of overhitting it but you're afraid of hitting it striking a poor putt because you're putting the extra effort into it well can I can I counter that by a comment that was made on Sky Sports commentary sure go which was it's very interesting to see all of these players, including Matthew Fitzpatrick and, and, and Zanotti and, you know, McDowell was there at one stage and all of these guys. And Larry, first is first and second is nowhere now in this game. Yeah. You know, they're not playing for position of second, third, top five, top ten. They're looking for championships and they're looking for the title. And really, for Larry as a, you know, WGC mm-hmm. winner, you know, a guy who is, in my opinion, going to be the next major winner out of you know outside of your favorite player in the world but out of Ireland Shane Lowry will win a major at some point in his career I have no doubt he is a guy who's not looking to come second or third if he puts it 17 foot past who cares because he doesn't 
it's either the win or nothing for there's a already, there's, there's already a millionaire now. Exactly. Well, the options no. There, there is a <clears throat> all I'm saying is when you know you have to hit it really hard, you're afraid of hitting it hard but losing your technique for because of the extra strength of the stroke. But it's the don't mentality. Right, you know the, yeah. the human mind doesn't understand the Do. word "don't" or "don't." Right, yeah. so you say to yourself, and it happens, pros, amateurs, oh, yeah. you know, whatever. They don't leave this short. Don't leave this short. Boom, you've left it short. Bang, you leave it short. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. You know, so he probably said to himself, "Don't leave it short. Don't leave it short." And then. You know, got instead lost. of instead of like do put it long, do yeah. put it long. But yeah. it's the same as you know, uh, you know. There's a you know the big thing with golfers, and which I notice myself on occasion because I'm not obviously pro or anything like that. You know, looking away, but is that and you obviously you hear the commentators turning around. It's like they they spend too much time talking about the line, mm. and they forgot to hit it. Mm. You know, looking away. So like the, there's the, there's striking that balance. You know, you see a golfer. You know, looking and looking and looking and searching and searching and searching, and then they forget to hit the ball. Yeah. They had the line, but they forgot to hit it because they were so concerned about the line and whether it was the right line or not. Yeah. And anyway, I just think that it was a case that he turned around to himself and went, "Don't leave it short. Don't leave it short. Don't leave it short. Bang, well, short." Can I? Can I? To just put it on a different perspective, we look at Jeez. the other joint second player there, which was uh, Sarn. He was in the middle of the green for an eagle putt, uh, and he degreened it. Um, and then ended up with a par in the end. You know, that to me is where I'm talking about if he had brought the putter, you know, yeah. I think that there would have been a huge... I'm not sure it would have been necessarily would have been talking about Matthew Fitzpatrick if some of the other guys had brought the putter. Yeah, but that, like, this, this is why it's a 72-hole competition. This is why there's, you know, there's 14 clubs in a bag. You know, that kind of way, you know, you have to... Bring it all together for the mm-hmm. seventy-two holes over four days. Sorry, mm-hmm. I, I know you were trying to laugh at me there because I was getting very. Uh, no, I was just I was glad that very, like, I know the real fourteen clubs. No, but you, you know what I mean. Like the, the fact of it is that this is this has been habitual now for Kelson. You know that he's been there thereabouts. Like the Irish Open, he won, mm-hmm. but then what was that competition? The French Open, he was there thereabouts. He's been on a crazy, crazy, crazy streak, streak. but it's the putting that's been letting him down. Because we talked about him last week. Yeah, because you, you even highlighted him as somebody who might make a play through the, the the race for Dubai. There you go. He made you know he's tight second with a nice each way return. I didn't actually put any bets on because of the unknown quantity of the course. But there you go. Fair play to Kelson. He's great week. He'll be a little bit disappointed, yeah. But it's another good week, and he can go into the next tournament with confidence again. Of course, he's just continuing on and. I'm sure you can be sure as hell he's going to be practicing those short putts or six eight footers or whatever the makeable ones that he's missed. And he might be best not thinking about it and just going back perhaps, to nat- perhaps. nature. And um, talking about seventy two holes and 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 people collapsing on the back nine. Graham McDowell collapsing on the back nine had a super front nine four hundred and he all of a sudden he decided to take a walk in the trees for most of the back nine it just he started off frustrating I, I think it? he started off birdie I don't know his exact score but I know he, he started four under the turn yeah because he went he went birdie birdie eagle on five six and seven right, right? and all of a sudden then he was there thereabouts right and then all of a sudden he just and he finished with 75 so, 72 in the 72. end but like it should never so sorry, be that and then he was five over for the back nine yeah. like, you know that's like like that, I, yeah, that's my kind of score. You know, but like, you just want to shake him because he was doing so well. And you're kind of looking for a guy who's looking for confidence, looking to get back. You know, he's, he said that the Ryder Cup is something he's absolutely, mm. you know, and here was a competition that if he, he'd done all the hard work on the, on the front night. Yeah. You know, just keep it going. But it just... It's a good step in the right direction, although he's disappointed. You know, he's got 62 holes in which he put himself within touching distance of the leaders and compared to the rest of the season, it's a, it's a success. You have to. But he's got to take the positives from it. And also, what you may have been thinking for him, you know, was that he was, let's say, you know, when he eagled the seventh, the leaders were only on, on the second or third hole. Mm. He can set a target. So he was there thinking to himself, going, okay, he was looking at the holes and he needed to get birdies on, right? So he was thinking to himself, a four under, if I finish eight under, I'll be putting a bit of pressure on the guys, right? Next thing you know, he bogeys a hole. And he's thinking to himself, going, oh, that's it, it's over. Yeah. Anyway, good good performances then from other Irish lads. Paul Dunn, tied twenty fifth. Proves proves he um, he's not just a link specialist. He's got the game. Well, I think we we raised that last week, yeah. um, and and he certainly showed over the course of the week that it, it's certainly not just a link style that he likes. And another Irish man tied twenty fifth as well was Niall Carney, who went who won the Irish PGA Regions or the Irish PGA Championship there by a record score the week before. Yeah. Okay, uh, can I just ask in terms of this is the first time. 
the British Masters has come back. Yeah. Obviously, with uh, Ian Poulter, there was a few things I did enjoy this week, and I was fairly grumpy last week. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take back certain bits. Firstly, I'm taking back that I actually quite enjoyed the master classes. I thought the master classes on Sky that were live after play ended, putting short game, things like that, was a lovely idea by Sky and it was it was really something that I actually quite yeah, enjoyed. Yeah, it's a good show. Nick Doherty's great. I, I didn't actually get to see his Thursday, Friday rounds where he's mic'd up on the oh, course. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but um, I was actually texting Bobby's background a little holiday at the moment um, and he was just saying it was great that Doherty was mic'd up in the course and hopefully more players will do it in the future. Uh, well, I think they were afraid. The, scene, the last person that got mic'd up ended up having the 13, if you remember, and <laughs> I think he ended up throwing the clubs and the microphone in the in, in, in the forest. And the other bit that I, I suppose I want to touch on with this is this idea of Ian Poulter, and I know I went on a lot about it last week, about being the Are you over that yet? Presenter, but he didn't particularly have a great week. I know he finished uh, tied 30th, but... Sorry, 33rd at minus four. It's it's a course that he knows well. He struggled with Mm. it at times. Is this going to lend itself to other players looking at being the the name behind this event and all of the other media bits that have to go on and doing the mass worries as to whether they actually want it? Like Luke Donald this week finished at a, a tight fifth. You know, is Luke Donald going to want to step up next year? I know that they're passing it around. Absolutely. absolutely. Is, is it going to be something that he's he's afraid of? But the commitments that he needs to do over the course not, of the week. Not the slightest. No. Like, why why would he be worried about what happened to Poulter this week? I mean, Poulter hasn't been playing phenomenal golf recently, so tied thirty is probably okay. Like, yeah, part of him. I mean, why would you worry about that? You just you go and do it. You're supporting. Uh, they're supporting an event in their home country. They'll be all over it. They'll all be fighting each other together. It's just that. the media side. It's all the extra bits and whether yeah. or not they'll have no problem doing that. Not, not I don't think so at all. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see over a couple of years whether or not. Right, I think they'll they'll just be, oh, you take it this year. I don't want it. No, like now. they've obviously all agreed that they're going to take it yeah. over the next couple of years I think it's great. because they need it. I just it would be interesting to see. Does it affect? Do, does the so-called host end up not being in in the in, in contention because of? Know. In fairness. Ian Poulter might have wanted to go to the range. He couldn't go to the range. He had to go do the master classes. He had to go and do all the other bits. Sure. It does knock them out of the sink of what they would do in a normal sure. world. Back away, didn't make the cut in the Irish Open. And actually, spe- speaking of the Irish Open, I was just about to move on to that. Thank you for that awesome segue, Will. The Irish Open had uh, great news this week. So everybody knows we're going to the K Club next year for it. Um, it's the 10-year anniversary of the Ryder Cup. All these nice kind of uh, sinkings of anniversaries. But the big news is... The prize fund has been boosted by sixty percent from two and a half million to four million. So that, in addition to Rory's pulling power, will attract more big name players. Hopefully, um, so that's it's just great going from strength to strength. And we kind of saw, well, we were hopeful it would happen. We kind of predicted it would happen that it would. You know, Rory's adding his name to it would really boost it. And there you go. The, the proof is in the pudding. Dubai duty free have stepped up and put more money into it and. It's it's getting back into that premier level of European well, it's, tour it's, events. It's now a top tier yeah. European tour versus prize money, which means that you know when as you say Rory and the guys who came, the US guys who came mm. this year who enjoyed it are talking to the US guys that didn't come. You should go. Yeah. It's a great week, you know. Uh, and, and like it's it's after the players and right before the BMW PGA at Wentworth. So you've got the K, you know, the K Club. It's that kind of style of course with trees. So it's a good tune-up for the guys to go to the BMW PGA at Wentworth. So you would hope most of the big-name European tour players who will be playing the BMW PGA will tune up at uh, the K-Club next year. So it's it's just getting bigger and bigger, and I'm delighted for it. I'm sure you guys are too. Absolutely. There was the, uh, at Mem Wolseley Hotel Spa and Golf Club, they had the Challenge Tour event that we spoke of last mm-hmm. week, and... Uh, Tom Murray from England won in a playoff over Nino Bertasio. Top top Irishmen were tied thirtieth, and McGee and McGeady. Um, there was very little coverage of this in terms of TV, yeah. so we're we're really Beautiful going based course, on it. Uh, super golf course, yeah, yeah. Golf course. Um, the European Tour School first stage um, was in England and Italy. Barry, and you had a quick review of this. Uh, very, very short, because uh, I was short on time getting the agenda together. But uh, the only Irish participant this week was David Rawluck, who unfortunately had a real tough week on the course, and he finished last in the one in Frilford Heat. So. 
that concludes round one or the first stage of European Tour Q School for now and the second stage will be kicking off on November 6th so that's the same um, isn't it he, no, that's the final one is a PGA Catalonia, so there's like a okay. second stage and there's, yeah, so we'll, um, we'll preview that on all the Irish guys and any, um, your, you know, former European tour guys who are trying to get their card back. We'll have a look at that, um, in the week beforehand. Um, okay. so there well, we go on that. I suppose then let's look at the President's Cup, which took place over in South Korea and the Jack Nicholas Golf Club in Korea. Um, it was won by the Americans by the skin of their teeth, 15 and a half to 14 and a half. Um, I saw the final day singles in this and uh, I think Will you, you actually caught quite a lot of the other days was there anything in the beginning and I, I'm going to go back to the point we made about the uh, British Masters and putting because I think putting was the story of the day to a certain extent in the President's Cup as well what I found quite amusing, what, what I thought was brilliant about this was the fact that um the first day, obviously, it looked like it was just going to be the usual um, forecast for the, the whole weekend, which was that America came out and absolutely throttled mm-hmm. um, the international team um, in the morning forces, or the, uh, in the, excuse me, on the Thursday forces, uh, because they obviously changed the, the the format of the event to bring down, it's only 30 points now rather mm-hmm. than uh, 34, which what it was it used to be. But um, <clears throat> the, the, the shining star... Z- yeah. Sorry, plural. Uh, from the the international team were uh, Brandon Grace and Louis Eustazen. Now, the the what I what I think was maybe a, a big thing was that the actual uh, so it was three one obviously after the first session of foursomes. But what I found very good was that Brandon Grace got every one of the team aside on the side of the golf course, and they actually showed this on Sky, mm. and he was having a little bit of a, a passionate moment with the team mm-hmm. and Nick Price was there and, and he was fingers pointing and this and that and the whole lot right I don't know what he was saying or what he was you know what was going on in, in, the, in the team talk or whatever but all of a sudden then the international team came out in the four balls now they they uh, they won it they won it two and a half to one and a half or whatever whatever way or sorry three and a half to one and a half because it was obviously five points um, but you know it, it, then it became a contest then it became one of these moments where you're kind of going, great, this is now worth watching. Mm. Brandon Grace was phenomenal. Yeah, he, he actually had, uh, he had a 5-0 oh for the whole week. four other people in, you know, in, so, in that President's Cup history who've done that. You know, and, and I, certainly in the singles, I just, again, he just, I think he, to, uh, there was two points about Brandon Grace and uh, Patrick Reed, and to me, they're nearly stepping up for the internationals and the US as nearly the Ian Poulter of the Europeans. You know, he looked so passionate that, you know, Brandon Grace was like, I want this. You know, we're not, let's not just roll over here. You know, we're as good as them. We, you know, we build on this and we get going. And and at one point in the singles, I think the US were up in eight. You know, like it, it was, was it was like, it was yeah. looking like it was just going to be an absolute routing. And, and there was, and I think possibly through the Brandon Grace, kind of spirit that he had put that people kind of went do you know what let's get at this let's let's go and try and you know let's, well, put, a, let's put a thing, fight up I think the big thing for the international team um, on the singles day because obviously it was only one point in it and as you said they were uh, the Americans were up in eight matches I thought they thought it was going to be a stroll in the park mm. but then all of a sudden Adam Scott who hadn't played well all week I was watching this he hadn't put it well uh, if he was putting well, he wasn't getting to the green. If he was getting to the green, he wasn't putting. It was really like amateur stuff, you know, like what we suffer from. You know, one day one thing's going yeah, well, yeah, yeah. the next day something. But then all of a sudden on the Sunday against uh, poor Ricky Fowler, because Ricky Fowler now in the Ryder Cup, like, whatever, he just got, he got a rubbing off McElroy, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he gets a drubbing against Scott. You know, he must be kind of turning and what do I have to do? But anyway, it was like Scott was the turning point because everyone went, if, if Adam Scott can win, <laughs> oh, <laughs> we can win. Sorry, but like the way he's playing all week. But I think yeah. that actually, and it goes back to when you look at the likes of the Miracle of Medina and you look at, you know, Ryder Cups and you look at these events, you know, the putting wins it. You know, there was uh, Adam Scott who was putting with the small putter this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's obviously now having to really get into it he's fully January you know he's no choice but like he held some magnificent putts in that game like he was he was holding 35 40 45 footers and they weren't you know they were going right in the front door like they were beautiful putts 
And that just, like, that is a kick in the groin oh. to, to Fowler. And I think that when that was filtering through and you see, like, Adam Scott beating Ricky Fowler 6-5, and five, you know, that's that's going to start filtering down of a belief, as you say. Um, Patrick Reed, though, I have to say, Barry, you know, we saw him so passionate against Europe at the Ryder Cup. Some people were saying it steps over the line at, at certain points. But like he clearly just loves match play. Like on, on Sunday again, he was fist pumping. He was hooping. He, he was, was doing it hollering. right. Mm. He was doing it right. You know, in Medina, he was turning around. He started doing all. Sorry for the listeners. I'm actually doing the whole where he started putting his finger up to his lips. You know, when he was playing, he was like shushing, shushing the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously, America or the Europeans were was obviously. This, was this not mm. in Scotland? In Scotland, in yeah. Scotland that he was doing it. Yeah, yeah but when they were obviously when Europe were obviously in the yeah, ascendancy yeah, yeah. and whatnot. But in this one, I actually, I actually love Patrick Reed. I think he's a fantastic golfer. Now he's very one-dimensional, so they say. You know, when it comes to being a golfer, a professional golfer, insofar as that he's only uh, right to left. Mm. You know, he only draws the ball. He can't fade the ball. Um, but he was really freaking good. Like, I mean, his attitude this time, it was like he a bit more polished. He, yeah, he learned from his mistakes. PR wise, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, he was still the same Patrick Reed, the tone, the thin fist pumping and all that kind of stuff. But uh, when he was playing against Tuesdays, it was just like, it was a dream match to watch for the first match because they were both going at it. I mean, like, it was birdie, you had to birdie a hole to, to, to win a hole. Yeah. There was no, like, sneaky halves. You know, Which is what you, what, what you want to see in match play. Oh, you know, you don't want to be winning by by pars. But again, like, Louis Eustace went out, he'd be playing with Brandon Grace, you know, and he had four and a half points for the week. You know, that kind of way. Those little, you know, so between himself... Brandon Grace at five and zero, Louis Oosthuizen four and a half. And to, and, be, and to be fair, Louis ended up winning on the eighteenth, I think, against no, Patrick Reed. He half the match. Sorry, he, it was an eagle half the match. Eagles, yeah, Eagles yes, half the match. And it was an incredible. Uh, yeah. Now, to be fair to, to Louis Oosthuizen, he actually the weirdest thing about that he missed a putt on sixteen, which would have put him one up on the. The put on sixteen was about maybe three foot, right? Mm. He missed that putt. Then all of a sudden, well, would have put would have kept it at square, all square. No, he would have gone one up. Oh, he had three he was square. Did he three put? No, he he had a put for birdie to win the hole. Uh, okay, so he ended up with a five. Yeah, yeah so he had it, but whatever way it worked out, so he, he did three put. Well, whatever way it worked okay. out, he had a put. For, <laughs> he had a put for the. <laughs> so I don't have a computer in front of me. Sorry, he had a put for a half. Or I'm, just watching, I'm just watching cartoons here. Yeah, he had yeah. a put for the win, uh, which would have put him one up, right? And then all of a sudden, from that point where he missed that short putt, he then lost the 17th. Mm. So even the loss of the 17th should have meant they were going down the 18th all square. Anyway, it was, I actually, for the, you know, for the competition that it was, there were some people who played great. Now, the one thing I want to say is the fact that if you look at the rankings of the teams, the American team, 1 to 12, the highest ranked player was like 29 or 30 or something like that. The highest ranked player was one uh, was eighty something. Uh, Danny Lee or Sang Young Bay was eighty third in the world. I, I think to be fair, though, a point in it. You know that was happening a, a, a while ago with the European team that you were looking at it going. Actually, most of these guys are averaging out at kind of mid to high twenty handicap as the team, where the US were coming in at kind of low teens. I don't think on the day when it's head to head that that should make a huge difference but I think it's a psychological thing it's a psychological going thing. in on it and there's a few points Barry Phil Nicholson and his Ridiculous. short game it was just outrageous is he not the most frustrating you know what I'd nearly tip him to to uh, to have a breakout season next year if he <laughs> that way like he was just his short game again like he held I think he from the bunker at about 161 he held out straight you know into the hole like just the stuff that this guy can do that just makes you want to go, why? Like, when it comes to the big tournaments, why, you know, do you why have you not been doing this all the time for the last couple of years? He's just so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. He uh, justified his pick as well. Yeah, yeah, which is great, you know. Uh, it's good to see that. I, I unfortunately didn't get to see much of this at all, snippets of highlights and stuff, but um, it's good. I mean, I was going to ask you guys, has it invigorated the President's Cup because there was a lot of talk beforehand and you know over the the record being it's so one-sided at least this was a good match and it was right down to the and I think and it's obviously going to be in Australia next in four years time Um, but the one thing that was lost was the fact that I was obviously going out to the golf club on Saturday and Sunday and whatnot and 
uh, I was saying to people, Jesus, I was up at seven o'clock this morning. I was watching the Presidents Cup, and they were like, "What? What? Yeah." I, I and I think that is one of the big problems. I think the it's going to Royal Melbourne. I think is mm-hmm. the plan in yeah. four years' time, which will be a super course to have a play on. In my opinion, yes, it, it has been good for the game that it was fifteen and a half to fourteen and a half. Probably, if America hadn't taken their foot off the the, the accelerator, it may have been an awful lot bigger than that. Um, but or what the internationals rallied? Well, no, because I think that they, they well they were up in eight, you know, and yes, Adam Scott, but like you can you you made the point earlier that you know the Americans seemed to think that they were going to walk it. So they clearly, you had the opinion that they may have... you think they eased off? No, no, I don't think they eased off. I think that what was happening was that Dustin Johnson was playing average golf at best, for professional standards, obviously. Mm. Danny Lee just couldn't get a putt. All of a sudden then, Danny Lee started making putts. Danny Lee was three down after three holes, right? You would have thought that match was over. All of a sudden then he went birdie, birdie, par, birdie, you know. Then all of a sudden, now I know he lost the match in the end on the 18th green, but like... It was things like that when he actually started to get a putt. Mm. He came out and he went, actually, do you know what? Dustin Johnson is beatable. Yeah. In his head, he was going out going, I haven't been playing great. Dustin Johnson's brilliant. He's already three up after three holes from three mistakes that Danny Lee made, you know. And there was other matches like that where, um, you know, uh, that where there was mistakes made at pivotal times by the Americans to bring the international team back. And out of those eight matches at one stage, five of them were only one-ups. No, no, that's fair enough. I, I want to just very briefly at the very end of this, how much did your heart break for Bay at the end with the Duff chip when he could have ended up, you know, he had a chance. Um, oh, well, no, no. Was, my, my heart broke when Lahiri missed that putt. Well, it, well, sorry, this is against Kirk. Uh, where the where in my opinion the cup was ultimately lost. That was it. Is that yeah. it was on the it was the putt on the eighteenth. Um, tell the listeners what we're talking about in case they haven't seen. Oh, it. Okay, so it was uh, they were playing the match was all square after coming down the eighteenth, and uh, the the two boys that hit the second shots. Um, Chris Kirk was uh, had hit a really good second shot in, but it had just bounced around the green and fell down into that horrible little death traps that they have. You know, um, and then also Lahiri had hit a good shot and left it just a little bit short. So he was to play first. He hit a stunner into about, uh, well, what looked like camera-wise a foot. It mm. may have been two foot. Uh, and then uh, Chris Kirk kind of semi-bladed his shot. Uh, semi-bladed to about 15, 20 foot. So you're looking at the fact that Lahiri's going to get birdie, Kirk's going to two putt, mm. and, you know, the internationals will then be level, you know. All of a sudden, Chris Kirk, what does he do? Rolls down a 25-footer into the hole for birdie. Lahiri steps up, didn't take his time, didn't get into his routine, and then all of a sudden pushed the putt. The same push as uh, Bubba Watson did. Yeah. In his match later on. It was certainly heartbreaking towards the end because certainly they had the chance, but that is the week that was, as they say. And uh, we move on now. To look very briefly at next week, the LPGA is the uh, the Hannah Bank uh, Championship, and the the betting surprise surprise is Lydia Ko seven to two is the favourite in the Park eight to one, and uh, Lexi Thompson twenty to one, and Suzanne Pedersen twenty two to one, and uh, and out from there. Um, let's move on and have a look at the European Tour is heading over to the Portugal Masters, and Martin Keimer is ten to one. Uh, Weisberger is eleven to one. Um, the name that I couldn't remember. See, it's the cane, the J that kills me. Yeah, sixteen to one. Tommy Fleetwood twenty to one. Chris Wood is twenty to one. Uh, Levey is twenty eight to one. That'd be Levy. Levey was uh, Thomas Levey. Uh, and then we move all the he way. Out. Um, he broke his leg, didn't he? Jumping into the water. Yeah, broke his leg. Yeah, yeah. Tyrrell Hatton, who had a very good week last week, uh, thirty to one, um, who just kind of fell off towards the end. Uh, are you having a bet on this, Barry? Which is more important than having a go at how you say not right Alexander's now. But, but I will say, um, my friend Stephen is over there this week, so I'm sure he'll be putting up plenty of uh, photos of this on his Twitter and maybe who's swinging well, who's playing well. He's just he's flying over tomorrow morning. His Twitter is at sock three hundred s o c three hundred. So give him a follow and have a have a look at his Twitter because he'll be putting and you'll, up some you'll stuff. you'll tweet that as well. The his. 
his Twitter handle so people who might not catch that will do it. I might, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Park Harrington 66-1 and I think it probably shows quite where Paul Dunn has come in the game in a very short period of time is also now 66-1 to for next week. Um, over in the States it's the start of the wraparound, isn't that right? It's the new the com. it's the new season um, and uh, Rory is back 4-1 uh, to one. Justin Rose eight to one, Matsuyama fourteen to one. He was obviously at the international president's last week, so a bit of travelling for him. Um, Brooks uh, uh, sixteen to one, um, Snedeker thirty five to one, and uh, we move out from there. Barry, are you having a bet on this? Snedeker, um, Snedeker, cupcake, Brooks Kapka. Um <clears throat> I might actually put a cheeky little bet on um, Stephen Bowditch. Uh, keep his hot form going. Played well. Yeah, it's 66 to 1 um, for people who are interested. Yeah, I, um, I think that might be... It's certainly uh, a big fall-off, isn't it? The top four are between 4 to 1 and 16 to 1, and then everyone else is at 33 to 1s and out. A little it's, bit of value uh, to be had, hopefully. So, uh, what did you guys think uh, of the bad publicity that McElroy was getting at the moment? Did you, did you hear anything about that? Because, like, you know, he didn't go and support the British Masters. And, and, he, uh, was, and he was off putting a lot of stuff up on Twitter about how he was at the Ireland rugby match he was in over in Cardiff then he was in Dublin having a stake in and he was in you, he was at the Northern Ireland <laughs> soccer game. match and this on the back of the fact that he got the little exemption for the European tour you know and he's not supporting his you know the flagship you know British masters, masters you know I don't I, listen to, I disagree with him I, I think he's allowed to want to got the exemption so yeah. He's the number one player. Well, he's sorry, he's not the number three player. Yeah, three but like, player. You, you can imagine as the British Masters grows back again, he will pay a visit to it. And uh, uh, look, I mean, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Well, I didn't see Ian Bolter at the Irish Open. I, I, I think there, there was, you go. I think there was <laughs> a lot to it, and we may come back to this because yeah. I think we will probably be, be touching on over the next couple of weeks um, reform of the European Tour and and whether or not they're going to start losing a lot of these top players. That's why McElroy and Rose are overplaying Fries.com this year, because they got out of that Turkish Airlines challenge or whatever. Yeah. But to do that, they have to they have to commit to playing uh, this once in the next three years, and so they're overplaying it now. So uh, that's why they're there at the season opener, where normally you wouldn't see huge names like that at the season yeah. opener on the, on the US and tour. I think that's probably why tour. there's the cliff between 4-1 to one to 16-1 to one and yeah. down to 33-1. Yeah. So, but there's definitely value there if you take those four out and you assume that Rory's been enjoying himself over the last few weeks, you might be knocking him off as the favourite oh, and then looking good. down. You know, so, so you've got him to win it. Yeah. Are you putting your money where your mate is in Yeah, 4-1. to Think about Euro. Right, on that note, uh, thank you to Barry, thank you to Will, thank you to thank the you listeners. Guys. Anybody who wants to get in contact at Podcast GTS, a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. We will talk to you all next week. Enjoy your golf. Bye bye, Well, you're fine. Bye bye.